Portland is still emerging from a deadly pandemic, and we're seeing a record number of homicides plus dozens of deaths due to the recent heat wave. But another troubling issue continues to bubble beneath the surface. Traffic fatalities are on pace to shatter records as well. I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source, for supporting the show. Up next, reporter Savannah Edens talks about the ongoing crisis of people dying while walking, driving, or biking on Portland streets. We talked about one of the recent victims, Natalie Gray, her life story, what we know about her death, and the troubling trend of hit-and-run fatalities claiming pedestrians across the city. Here's our conversation. Savannah Edens, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Andrew Thien. So as a breaking news reporter at the Oregonian, uh, there's so many stories that you can tell on any given day. And in a single day, you often write many stories. Why did you want to write about uh, a woman, um, Natalie Gray? So, yeah, this story uh, caught actually my my colleague, Kale Williams' attention. So on our sort of day-to-day grind of writing up um, information that we get from police, which um, often isn't a lot, uh, uh, Kale Williams had written about a fatal hit and run in which a woman was killed June 5th or 6th. He received an email from a woman who identified as uh, her mother or her foster mother. And basically this woman wanted us to know that she had a name, um, this victim of a, of a hit and run. And uh, so she told us, you know, that this was Natalie Gray. And um, based on her email, she seemed open to talking about Natalie and wanted to make sure, yeah, that she had a name, that she was identified, that her story was much more than uh, what she, how she died. And so uh, that doesn't happen often. Um, One of the challenges of our job day to day in covering tragedies from homicides to suicides to uh, car crashes, fires, is talking to families who understandably often are not willing to to speak to reporters um, as they're grieving. And so this seemed like a unique opportunity to tell a a better story of of who, a more more human story of who this this victim of, of a traffic fatality was. And yeah. Yeah, in the lapse of having a transportation reporter, since you're no longer covering transportation, I thought it would be a good time to uh, not just write a sort of obituary for her, but to uh, check in at this halfway point about um, the kind of staggering number of traffic fatalities in Portland so far this year. Yeah, before we get to the, those um, numbers, um, a little bit more about Natalie, um, you know, what, what do we know about her life? What did her, um, her, uh, mother, her foster mother tell you about, about Natalie? Natalie had a hard life, sort of that cyclical generational challenge. I, from what I understand, she was raised mostly in foster care and so was mm-hmm. her mother. And so was her grandmother, like third generation. But from what her parents, her foster parents, uh, Teres and Dennis told me was that she was still so full of like 
life and had a lot of dreams and was still like such a positive child despite what she had been through and that she was really smart they said she was like really intelligent would read all the time wrote poems uh made art uh, got along so well with their other children they had like i think five other kids in the house some Mm -hmm. foster some biological and they had this big yellow house out in the country in clark county and dennis uh her foster dad described um quite painfully uh, this relationship that he had with her he was in foster care himself as a as a, a child so he knew how important it was that somebody fought for her and uh he took her just her out of the six kids on a trip to like this father-daughter trip to florida where you know she rode on a plane for the first time and went to disney and i guess she was like one of those kids who was just obsessed with animals and would bring in like stray cats and sneak hmm. them in and all that sorts of stuff. So the, the Malins, you know, they loved her like their own. They kept in touch with her as much as they could, but as she got older and struggled with um, addiction and mental health, you know, it was harder to care for her. And, uh, but they would, you know, let her, they, or they would go and visit her on the weekends. And then after she turned 18, they bought her her first, or they helped her get her first apartment and furniture. And this was in Vancouver. Okay. And around the start of the pandemic, they had kind of lost touch a little bit, but she would always call when she needed help or she was always open to help. And I just, that's one thing about this story that I just thought was really remarkable was that Natalie always wanted to get better. I think it's sort of that the tragedy of uh, one thing that her, her foster parents said was that Natalie had a hard time, like letting people love her, which is understandable when you, you grow up in the sort of trauma that she did. You don't necessarily know how to let people help you or let you be loved, but it sounds like she was a young woman who, you still had a lot of life left despite all the obstacles that she had been through. And obviously her uh, foster parents were still advocating for her uh, after her death and reaching out uh, to yeah. you and to the, uh, to the Oregonian. So what do we know about the circumstances? Um, how, how did she die? So we know that Natalie Gray was walking along the shoulder of uh, North Marine Drive near Northeast 13th Avenue in the evening on June 6th, 2021. And it would have been dark by then. Um, we don't know a lot. And even the family doesn't really know a lot. So police police said that they, um, you know, got a call and that she was uh, deceased when they arrived. And uh, they didn't say whether they were investigating it as a homicide, which um, I learned through reporting that unless it's considered intentional in some way, hit and runs aren't considered homicides, which I thought was really interesting. I would think that if you leave the scene of a, of a crash, that would, yeah. you know, not to speculate, but that I just thought that that was interesting. And so then um, basically this all hap- this happened um, right outside the Portland Yacht Club on Marine Drive. Mm-hmm. And the family through some connection was able to um, obtain a surveillance video, which showed, according to them, that Mm -hmm. there was maybe some sort of blue SUV, but that the license plate wasn't readable. And that uh, not only was Natalie um, struck by a driver once, but twice, 
maybe by a second driver. Mm-hmm. And um, it's unclear whether police know that or uh, the family said that to their knowledge, the investigators did not obtain the surveillance video and that they only took a video of the video. So there's some discrepancy in, right. in what happened and whether or not police are uh the Portland police didn't didn't respond to my inquiries about the updates in their investigation as they normally don't in an ongoing investigation. Yeah. But it's possible that a woman drove by Natalie and uh according to Teresa um Malin, uh Natalie's former foster mother it's possible that a woman drove by on Marine Drive, saw Natalie, and having had a daughter with mental health struggles herself, you know, called Portland police to say there's a girl on the side of the road. She may need help. Mm-hmm. And that by the time Portland police arrived, Natalie had already been hit and um, her back was broken um, and she was already uh, had already passed away. So. That's all not corroborated, but anecdotally, that's yeah what the family said. So you mentioned earlier that we are um, on pace to to have kind of a staggering number of um, traffic deaths, and that's coming off the heels of two years in a row that um, more deaths upon more deaths. Um, fifty four people were killed. At least fifty four people were killed on Portland streets last year, just walking, biking, uh, or, or driving. Mm-hmm. Um, what, are, what did you learn in terms of how the first half of this year went and in particular, the troubling stats that you reported on, on hit and run, uh, deaths in particular? Yeah. So Portland is already about two months ahead of last year's pace, possibly more. I have to check some numbers on that, but, uh, Portland did not hit 30 traffic fatalities until the end of August last year. And as of uh, the end of June, beginning of July, we had already, we've already passed 30. It's currently 33. Um, And as you reported, 54 was the total last year, which was, you know, the highest since 1996, right? Yeah, and that's essentially the highest on record. I mean, there aren't good yeah. records before that. So, um, yeah, you know, obviously Portland's grown a lot since the early mid-90s. But um, the thing that's troubling me and I think also city city officials is they've put a lot of money and attention toward this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, coming on seven years now, eight years through Vision Zero, um, yeah. trying to address this and um and here we are and the hit and run figures in particular it's half of all pedestrian deaths so far you said this year have been yeah um, so suspected hit and runs right so i'll try to break this down so 11 of the 33 so a third Mm -hmm. of the traffic fatalities this year have been pedestrians and six out of the 11 so half uh were fatal hit and runs every hit and run so far this year has been fatal so no pedestrians have survived being hit by a, by a car. Um, and so, and for, you know, that just kind of reflects a continuing trend during the past five years on average, 39% of traffic deaths have been pedestrians. And for mm-hmm. example, in 2018, 
half of the 20, half of the 34 traffic deaths in 2018. So 16 people, uh, it was, yeah, 16 out of the 34 were people walking. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, the city has put a lot of money and resources into trying to fix this problem. And I didn't expand on it too much in this story per uh, some of the great reporting you've already done <laughs> about kind of the struggle between ODOT, the state's department of transportation and, and PBOT, the Portland mm-hmm. Bureau of Transportation over basically ownership of the, of the, the major thoroughfares where, uh, I just think this is so interesting. They used to be like the Route 66. They used to be the highways that connected cities. And now they're, because of urban expansion, they're in cities, but they're these like just death traps. Yeah, and, they call um, them orphan, orphan highways is uh, yeah. the term that they use. Yeah. Uh, so that is still where they're seeing, you know, where we're seeing still a lot of um, both car crashes and, uh, you know, cases where pedestrians um are hit yeah and where natalie gray died um or was killed um by by that driver um you know marine drive people who have been out there know that it's you know it's up on the levee it's right next to the columbia river it's you know it's kind of a little hair raising experience to drive on because you're you've got this majestic you know one of the largest rivers in the country right there, um, right on your shoulder, depending on how you're driving. And it's kind of a place that people like to drive a little fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's low light. There's not a lot of street light. Exactly. Um, And despite all the efforts of, um, you know, speed reader signs and, you know, speed traps out there, um, it, you know, it it remains, uh, you know, fundamentally a dangerous place, especially if you're walking. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I think I said this already, but that and I was just talking with my editor about this. That's what kind of made this story difficult is a lot of times when we're looking at different stories, there's usually sometimes an, an accountability piece, you know, whose fault is it? Who isn't doing enough? You know, who do we need to question from, you know, public official or, um, you know, city agency perspective about mm-hmm. how to mitigate that? I mean, it's the same question with gun violence, homicides, you know, what? Uh, what isn't being done or what could be done better to uh, keep people safe in a city. And it is, you know, the responsibility of the local government to address those issues. But in this case, it is, it's, it's kind of, it's difficult because like you said, Vision Zero, this uh, program through the Portland Bureau of Transportation, they have been doing a, a lot and they have a lot in the works They've recognized these hotspots, these high crash corridors. They're building all sorts of sidewalks um, down on 122nd mm-hmm. um, in, uh, I guess that's southeast. Sorry, I'm kind of new here. <laughs> yeah, east, east, southeast, depending east, on southeast, where you are. But yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, it's the main street of, of East Portland, and they call it out there. Yeah. And yet, they, yeah, like you said, they're doing all this, but, um, you know, at the same time, we're, you're, you know, we're still seeing these these uh, death tolls rise, um, mm-hmm. even during the pandemic. That surprised me. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was surprising to me. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and talk more with Savannah Edens, a breaking news reporter for The Oregonian and Oregon Life. Okay, Savannah, so you're not only coming to Portland to start a new job, but you're also starting a new job during 
a pandemic um, and you're trying to get to know a city during a pandemic and you're also covering a lot of really heavy stuff um yeah just in terms of everything that comes across the transom that's breaking news and we're having a you know record number of homicides and then the traffic fatality issue that we're talking about how is that um how have you adjusted to that because that's a lot to to jump into um that's heavy stuff it is yeah it it's it's hard uh to get to know a city a new city in a normal way when you're spending 40 hours a week learning about and writing about some of the worst things that happen here which isn't the overwhelming majority of what's going on in portland obviously so i think it's just all about nuance and i think for me, it's like the human element of it. And we're working really hard on the breaking news and public safety team to tell the stories of people who are affected by violence in Portland. And so that kind of, that gives me the nuance in, in my personal life to mm-hmm. to understand that Portland is complicated. You know, it's just like any other place. Uh, if anything, I, it, you know, just made me a bit less naive and maybe a bit more jaded to, uh, asking a lot of questions about the systemic issues here. You know, we deal with, um, police on a day to day basis of just trying to get more information. Um, and, you know, questioning their use of force in police shootings. I think the particularly devastating uh, thing for me is that I just said this to my editor this morning because I wrote about someone who was killed in Washington, Clark County um, Mm -hmm. by a homeowner. Uh, It sounded like this guy, you know, just a stranger trespassed onto somebody's property, but was based on the little information we have clearly, you know, unwell. And then we have these situations of people struggling with mental health being shot by police and um, by, you know, being in situations where they could have gotten help from people who were um, licensed and trained to to help them. And so it, it just appears that having poor mental health can be like a death sentence. And that's just so, so devastating that, and that's something that's such a big struggle here in Portland. Obviously, it's so interconnected with all the systemic issues of yeah. of violence, homelessness. Um, and it, that that's what's really sad to me. I think because there are so many also resources and people who want to help and a lot of agencies here. And it's going to take being here a lot longer to totally understand how just the nuance of that of that issue. Um, but yeah, I try to shut off at the end of the day and like enjoy Portland for, you know, it's parks and food and, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah, it's such a, such a beautiful landscape too. So that helps. Yeah. You, you know, you hit on something there, Savannah, um, coming in and seeing the mental health, uh, issues are, you know, obviously it's not just unique to Portland. It's a, it's a national issue, but I, I had a similar experience when I came to Portland in 2006 and that was right after James Chassie, um, was, you know, died in police custody. And that, that was, yeah. you know, really a case that kind of, you know, and that wasn't the first time either, but it certainly was a flashpoint that is still re- reverberating in terms of department of justice settlements and, yeah. um, use of force. And we're still reckoning with that in terms of, um, how police respond to, uh, to calls. And obviously, you know, just with the fatal shooting, um, 
uh, of the man uh, out in Lentz uh, yeah. earlier in the year. I mean, it's something that's still happening. Yeah. It, it, I will say that uh, up until recently uh, in my Twitter bio, I had a journalist, comma, not yet jaded. Because I was sort of proud of the fact that I still was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. And um, I think about a week ago, I took that out of my bio. Having I lived in Chicago in 2016 mm-hmm. after Laquan McDonald was killed. I was in Louisville, Kentucky when Breonna Taylor was murdered. I'm a little, I'm a little jaded. Uh, but I think that's why these stories are so so important and why like accountability um is so important i just like i really believe in like the human element of of um of storytelling of, of journalism so uh yeah <laughs> yeah well um thank you so much for telling natalie's story um you know it's heartbreaking that we had to learn about her life through her death but mm-hmm. um you know thank you for highlighting that issue and the the issue of um you know, traffic violence in our city because it's an ongoing one. And, you know, as we saw by coverage of 82nd Avenue and the two um, men who were walking across the street and killed there, that led to action from right, the legislature. Right. And that's what I said to the family, because like I said, it's so it, it's not often that a family is so open and uh, willing to talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, tragedy. And that's what I that's what I told them is, you know, the hope is to bring attention to these issues and um yeah change or you know accountability where it's needed well is there anything else that i should have asked you that you'd want to discuss well i think one interesting story of or aspect of this that came out of the story that i wasn't necessarily expecting um was how um people who are homeless or you know uh experiencing Houselessness, living in the streets in Portland, uh, may be more vulnerable to these uh, traffic fatalities and hit and runs. Um, and that was something that I, I pursued after realizing that that was um, a situation that Natalie may have been in. Um, it's not super clear where she was living, um, but we know that she was struggling with um, mental health and addiction um, around the time of her death. A report from Oregon Walks, which is a nonprofit organization mm-hmm. um, uh, dedicated to making conditions safer for people um, walking in Portland. They did a study and found that a majority of fatal pedestrian crashes between 2017 and 2019 um, occurred on roads that are designated by PBOT as high crash corridors. But also, we know we don't have data for 2020 or 2021. But we know that at least eight people experiencing homelessness in 2019 lost their lives after being struck by a car, truck, or train. And that's um, according to the domicile unknown report um, that the city puts out. So I want to keep pursuing that angle and learn more about how people who are living on Portland streets are at a high, maybe at a higher risk. Because I, I don't know, I think that's a really, really important uh, story to tell. Well, thank you so much for your care and telling all of these tough stories that you've had to jump in on in the in the past few months. And um, thanks for coming on the show to talk about it. Thank you for having me. I hope I can come by again soon. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. 
I shared a link to Savannah's story about traffic fatalities, plus some of my work on the topic, in the episode notes. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the program. Or tell a friend. Help spread the word. The best way to support our journalism is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.